right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a much-anticipated episode of the Busted Header Podcast, where Jake talks about preseason basketball and defense for an hour and a half. Uh-huh. Um, I, might, I might have spoiled a, a little bit ahead of the podcast, but very exciting stuff today. So, <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by Halbertius, a.k.a. Hal, a.k.a. Jake. Yeah. Uh, when this man says it's going to take him a little bit to make dinner, he means a long time. He means, like, longer... Than uh, than Bogdan Bogdanovich's shorts kind of time. Okay, <laughs> I see. I see where you're going with this. It took me 45 minutes to make and eat dinner. I feel like that's a pretty that's good. That's crazy. Time. I, I feel. I feel like that's that's coming from the man who doesn't make dinner for himself. This is this is uh, what that, you get. Well, sometimes. How about that's two three though? We were watching the preseason game while we we're recording. Yes, the, the Memphis reference. game was on. I can't tell if you're ahead of me or behind me. That was just a replay. I am at about me. 1025, 1024. Oh, you're ahead of me. You're you're okay. 10 seconds ahead of me. Good. All right. That's how I like it. So, I guess let's recap real quick the uh the past couple preseason games. Uh Come on. Then do the voice. No, I don't uh, preseason games. Uh the the uh the next game was was just Sunday, horrible. Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> uh Horrible, horrible preseason game for the, for the Knicks. Uh, Ivy was fine, sixteen four and two, no turnovers. Everyone else was horrible. That's nice. Uh, we'll talk, I think, more about some of the details here in a second. But uh, the Pels, I have no idea how that stayed a six point game. Uh, I lied. I know how uh, Zion is real terrible at defense, and they still haven't figured out how to use him. That's basically it. Like there were a lot of Zion mistakes. Uh, Lots of turnovers. Uh, Sadiq actually had a much better game, but uh, pro- like he was credited with one turnover, and I swear to God, he was worth about five. So because uh, <laughs> they don't count like block shots and stuff as turnovers, and we're currently playing yeah. Memphis. So that is weird that they don't get, like I've I've never thought about that, but yeah, yeah, like a block shot is a turnover, but they don't really keep track of like it's not like something you keep track of is block shots. Yeah, they, you don't. It's it's just like a missed shot. You're like, Petition it, to change this NBA. Yeah, it's not really a missed shot. I mean, some of them can be a little bit, but it's much more. Uh, getting getting your like, shot blocked, rebounded, and and brought back in transition is way worse than having your shot like go out of bounds or something. Like a, a pass out of bounds, like, like a dead ball turnover. I guess the thought is like if a shot is blocked and then goes out of bounds, you get another chance. It's kind of like a missed shot, and that you can. I mean, it, have another chance it's this, not a turnover. It's just that like we don't it's, it's keep track of shit getting stuffed. So yeah. like n- like it's not a box score thing that shows up that like hey you took you know in City's case like you took like four or five bad shots in both games that like were in traffic and you you know got your shit kicked in, uh, and that's something he's got to work on. Um, you want to do our quick injury roundup here? There's a lot of things on this list. Yeah, I'd say it's quite the quite the bit going on here. So Hami has a thigh thing. They're managing slash massaging it, according to Jake. Jake is up to date on yeah, all things massaging. They, they weren't uh, uh, they weren't super descriptive of what it is. Just that like if it was regular season, he'd probably be playing. Is kind of the the vibe I yeah. get. And these That's refs fucking suck. <laughs> All right, get us back on track here. So Noel is still conditioning for his return, which I'm kind of okay with. Give me some more Jalen Durant start the year. 
I am perfectly fine with that. Uh, Knox listed as DNP injury illness, but he is playing in this preseason game. Yeah, he's game. playing. This, I have seen him out there. I forgot to update it for this game, so. Uh, Burks is still rehabbing his foot. He's not expected to be back until, what, like mid-November? Or? Probably, I forgot yeah. what his timeline is. Uh, Bagley twisted knee out at least a month until next evaluation, which did he... He didn't have... It was like a sprained MCL, right? I'm trying to remember I think so, yeah. I know yeah. I remember seeing the tweets about it. Um, and then lastly, Killian is out with some hip soreness for this game against Memphis, uh, but I feel like he was not like doing too great in the last game, so... <laughs> no, he was, he was good last game. It was... Uh, um... Was it two games? Uh, the the last game was actually the... Was it the Magic game that probably isn't on this sheet because I forgot about it? Uh, <laughs> that who we played? See, now you got me thinking, like... How many damn preseason games have we played? <sighs> Pistons preseason. I, he had, like, the 20-point game last, last time. Um, oh, right. Okay. Nope. You're right yeah. on that. Yeah, and, and why is it so hard to... I hate that basketball reference does not carry preseason games, so you have to just like go randomly finding a box score somewhere else. Thunder. It was the Thunder that we played. Yeah. And I was, uh, he always cooks the Thunder. Yeah, because that was on Tuesday when I was in the city. Yeah, yeah. So that was a 20.7 assist game for him where he hit three of six from deep, I think it, it ended up being. Um, yeah, so I, he didn't seem to be hurt. I, I don't understand why he's out tonight. But he's out tonight. Hopefully he'll be back for the regular season. I don't think there's going to be any lingering thing. Because, again, he didn't get hurt. He finished that game. Yeah. Maybe just, you know, soreness. It's the preseason. Like, it's not that big of a deal. All, All right. right. Around the league stuff. Nobody cares. It's preseason. We're yeah. happy everyone's <laughs> back. Everyone seems to be healthy right now. So, Zion's back. Kawhi's back. Everybody's back. Pretty uh, pretty close to real basketball. We're almost there. We're what? Six days away? No. Five days away. Right? Tuesday. Six from the Pistons, I think. I think they put out a, a Hami yeah. graphic today. Because he wears number six. <laughs> Social media team is never never late with stuff like that, I feel like. It, not, well, they have it scheduled God knows how far in advance. <laughs> the, those those yeah. teams, they, they, they schedule those tweets... You know, a month ahead of time. All right, oh, yeah. I guess we we got to get into uh, kind of some of the meat and potatoes today. Um, where do you want to start? Well, we can start with the recent stuff, mainly because I'm seeing a, a name that I was not <laughs> expecting to see on the docket today. Okay, start with that name. Max Verstappen, two-time reigning <laughs> ah. F1 world champion. Oh, I was like, which, that one I was like, I was like, six of these. I, was, I have like six, seven players on the list. And I was like, all of them are Pistons players. But no, that would be the name. Yeah, because because I, I I had a joke in there that, there is that one Killian that I'm not was racing the list. What? There is one that I'm not recognizing in the list, but it's later on. Okay. Well, I was I was making a joke that Killian has been like racing his release, like Max Verstappen racing Ferrari because he's just like cutting every corner. And uh, just just generally, this this has been an interesting preseason. I'm not a fan of the shot rebuild. We've been over that before. Uh, mm-hmm. He had the good game um, against the Thunder, where it looked a little better, but he's still like 
very clearly, especially off movement, just like trying to get it out of his hands as fast as possible. Um, I don't, I don't love that. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's necessarily healthy for him. I'm hoping again that whatever the hell they're doing with his feet, that we keep seeing practice footage of him with a super wide base. I don't understand any of any of it, and at all. No. Uh, it's it's goes against everything I've learned from traditional shooting coaching to modern. You know, some of the more experimental stuff people do nowadays, I don't understand it. So, uh, he made he made the 50% in the Thunder game, and I just kind of hope that's that continues. <laughs> yeah. Four from six from deep is pretty good. So, is it a fluke? Is it a mirage? I don't know. Hopefully it sticks around the regular season, but I would not be... Get a catch and shoot, hit the step back, so... Yep. Alright. Moving it on. <laughs> Cade taking it easy. Yeah. I I don't know how much you've you've gotten a chance to watch, but it just kinda of doesn't feel like he's gotten out of second gear at uh I mean, in all of this preseason. Um I've watched a little bit of this first uh this preseason <laughs> game. That's a bit about it. So. Uh, yeah. The the uh he, he just like has not done the like getting to the rim thing that, you know, he, he really does when he's trying to take games over. Um it's been mostly just kind of him probing into the paint and then finding the the easy pass out. Um, yeah. you know, maybe it's just him being like, ah, it's preseason, but like this team is going to be built around him taking over games. Um, that's just how this has to work really. Um, yep. so I, I kind of want him to be establishing that pattern early. I'd rather, I'd rather, uh, Casey have to like pull him back and be like, Hey, you know, it's, it's time to slow it down. Then somebody have to like go to him and rev him up, which has not normally been the thing that you need to worry about with Cade uh, the last two years. But that was a thing in high school where uh, when he had um, Moses Moody and uh, why am I forgetting the Raptors rookie? The current Raptors rookie or no, no, no. Uh, Scotty Barnes. God. Okay. Uh, Thank you. I, I, the, I thought it was Scotty Barnes and then team. you said rookie and I'm like, huh? He's not a rookie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, when he had those two, like that, Cade at Montverde was like, like a Magic Johnson transition passer. Like that's all. That's like all he wanted to do was just be the guy to get the assistant transition. So, I'm kind of hoping he's not re- reverting to that because the, uh, the Oklahoma State and uh, obviously rookie Cade, the the kind of authoritative playmaking he made there was was a different beast, and we need that to to keep going. Yeah, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that that will not be. Uh, what we expect in the regular season. I'm sure would, he's just going through the paces. This is, you know, it's preseason. This is the, the last game right now. This Memphis game is preseason, right? Yeah. I I would be shocked if he kind of takes a laissez-faire attitude uh, going into the regular season. Uh, in the first three games, he's averaged nine points. Like, <laughs> that's not... I don't... I would be absolutely stunned if that was the way that it was going. So... Yeah. Hasn't hit threes either, but I don't think that's going to be a long-term issue. Um, yeah, it was just. Which he's I mean, only he came into last year a little bit. He came into last year a little bit rough shooting. Maybe it just takes him a little while to get into form. I don't know. Well, he came into last year with a, a foot injury, and foot injuries screw you up big time when you're shooting. Yes, um, I'm not. I know he was injured coming into it, but I'm just saying, maybe this is something where he doesn't start strong from the shooting thing and just has to kind of get in his rhythm. Well, it's more like he's, it's not just that, like, he's missed the threes, because he has, but it's more like, also, he's, like, not, like, he's intentionally avoided taking them at points, and just, 
you know, it's part of that that being a little more passive than I expected, etc. He's he's actually putting up quite a few today uh, during this Memphis game, so hopefully that's kind of a thing he's shaken off. Yep. Random observation uh, that I've seen just from watching this game. Yes. Boy, we got a lot of hair out there. Yeah, yeah. There's been a lot of people who've been complaining about the afros because they can't tell people apart anymore. <laughs> I mean, I could tell people apart, but like, look at our, our starting lineup, which is most likely going to be what some variation of Kate, Sadiq, Jaden, and uh, Stu. It's, it's literally the lineup is, that's on the floor right now. Yeah, exactly. With with Bogdan, but that's a lot of hair for a starting lineup. Like, I feel right. like in the NBA usually there's not a whole lot of hair, so it's just something funny. Right, I see. So we've got like four or five guys. So we've got Livers, Bay. Cade and Killian, who all have the like blown out afro thing going for them, so yep. <laughs> there's there's quite a bit uh, quite a bit of hair. Uh, yep. Speaking speaking of Bay, uh, we mentioned it earlier. One of the other things mm-hmm. that we've just got to talk about is that he has not been passing very much, basically at all. We mm-hmm. saw this in the first half of last season. He got a little better in the second half. Just has to be better. Can't be driving into traffic. He's not good at finishing over length. Uh, I don't know that there's like a technique thing he can do. Oh, that's offense foul. Uh, I don't know that there's a technique thing he can do to like improve that. Um, so like he just needs to be better about not getting stuck in traffic and like just stop dribbling, <laughs> jump stop, mm-hmm. the the good old John Beeline jump stop, and uh, and you know make the the simple kick out and start a swing swing type thing. Uh, he's not been great at that, and that that kind of just has to change. Yeah, I feel like that's something that, especially with uh, getting Ivy now as well as Cade, that it could be a bit of a concerning development that still doesn't go away. Because I feel like he's always had an issue with kind of the ball stopping with him. And it wasn't as pronounced necessarily when you have a Jeremy Grant next to him, where it's like just black hole sometimes. Uh, so, I mean, that's going to be something I think we're going to have to keep watching as, as the season goes on. I hope that it's, not, it's just a preseason thing and that he's just trying to like get his bucket, get in his groove. So I don't think he's been shooting it particularly well the preseason what I've seen, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Any any Ivy thoughts? I mean, the dude is fast. That's that's just what yeah. I wrote down. That's that's basically the big takeaway is that he continues to be just lightning quick. But have you seen anything that uh, you really want to call out? I mean, like I said, I haven't really seen a whole lot of point. That was quite the defensive battle there between John <laughs> Ivy. <laughs> did, did you see the uh, the double block that he and Cade both had uh, in the uh, Thunder game? Yes. I think I saw yeah. that on Twitter somewhere. Yeah, he's he's had a couple of those like Dwayne Wade blocks where you're like, oh, oh, that there's something if he if he manages to like figure out you know the technical side of defending, there's mm-hmm. there's some spectacular plays available to him. I mean, literally, you just see it with this play right here. Like he's got the athleticism to compete with anyone. If he could just try like, to stuff John at the rim for those of if, you who are you not just, watching yeah. simulcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, like. It, like you can tell just based on that, there's not a whole lot of people who can go step for step with Ja, and no. it was he was right there with him. So, yeah, I think I mean that's the main thing that I mean we watched him in college for two years. Like it's not a surprise, but the man is just a top tier athlete. So, I'm very excited to add him to the roster, and you know, excited to see what he can do this year. Yeah, a uh, couple quick more ones here, uh, Bogdanovich. I don't feel like he's very connected to the team yet. Uh, he's a oh, really good. That's what the. Oh, you Bogey didn't know who was. Bogey was, yeah, Bogdanovich. I, ah. I forgot that was a thing. I, I thought you forgot <laughs> no with Boogie, and I'm like, we're getting Boogie cousins. What? No, no, no. Uh, 
Bogdanovich. I don't. I don't feel like he's super connected to the team yet. He he's a really good playmaker normally, like a good pick and roll, like a slow probing pick and roll playmaker. He just hasn't felt in rhythm with this team yet. There's been passes he's missed. He's forced some things. Uh, so it'll be just, just kind of interesting to see how you know much he grows over the first couple of weeks of the season, getting used to everybody. Because obviously, I don't think either one of us expect him to be around more than a season, maybe more than the trade deadline even. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, how quickly can can we get him up to speed? Is kind of an open question for me. Um, you yeah, know, because if, he, be if he's good but, bogey and you know really delivering value, that's that's a major plus. Yeah, I'll be very curious to see like what, like how his time in Detroit is going to go because he very much is a player that I think has been on a lot of good teams since he's been in the NBA. Now like he's had a lot of opportunities to be with a bunch of these young kids, which is essentially what he is right now. So, I'm very curious to see how he's going to do in that environment, and if it's going to be something where he can kind of be that veteran guy, veteran presence, make smart plays with the ball, feed, like kind of get the guys ready to go, or if he's going to be like, ah, I want to be on a winning team, I want to go to the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I do hope he doesn't so. like check out. That's all. I, like, yeah. I just don't want him to check out. He doesn't far. seem like that kind of guy though, so I'm not. I wouldn't expect that, but you never know. But stuff speaking like that. of good decisions, <laughs> Isaiah Livers, your boy. I just I enjoy watching him play for this team so much. It's it's incredible that like uh, Bryce Simon at Motor City Hoops asked today like how many legitimately good defenders are there on the team. And it's like <laughs> Killian is a good on ball defender, but like he still has a lot to learn off ball. Cade's probably like a net neutral, trending upward, but like not really yeah, good. Like- Sadiq is not good. You're you're checking down the list and you're like, I guess as long as you're switching everything, Isaiah Stewart is a plus. Nerlens Duell probably gets credit for being a plus defender, even though you like have to play him in a drop, and that's not what we play. And then it's like livers. Yeah. <laughs> it's like stew and livers are basically the and like again livers is coming off just a couple hundred minutes last year, and you know he's he's a, a second round pick, but like everything he puts on film so far has been spectacular. Defensive communication, rim protection. He's going to be so valuable for this team. Uh, I, I'm just so happy he's healthy and back and, and playing like this because it's it's really fun to watch as a Michigan fan. I think it's really fun to watch just as a Pistons fan, and it's really good basketball. And I think hopefully that uh, you know he's he is putting stuff on film that like I I look at Sadiq Bay and I'm like you can do this, you know <laughs> you don't you refuse to do this. There, there, yeah. I have a lot of complaints about how Sadiq plays defense, but like you could do this. There's nothing. Livers is a better athlete by a, a fair margin, but like the stuff he does isn't because he's an athlete. It's because he's paying attention and communicating and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I just want to – you got to sing his praises because it's not often guys walk into the league and are contributing like that. Yep, and he's someone who I think if we do end up moving, like bogey at the trade deadline, I think one of the reasons will be to get him more minutes. Yes. And to make sure that him and Bagley can both – get time at the four because that's where it seems like it's going with them both being somewhat behind or Bagley and livers both being behind, uh, uh, Bogdan at Bogdan. No Bogdan, right? Bojan. God damn it. I'm going to do that so often. So I don't hear who's who, <laughs> even though he's literally on my television right now. Bogdanovich, um, yeah. bogey. I'm just going to stick with that. Um, but they're not, both uh, Livers and Bagley are probably both going to be playing behind him a lot. So 
Yeah, it's it's a uh, a big gift, I think, for for both Durin and Livers that Bagley's hurt right now, right? This is a huge yep. opportunity for them to carve out real minutes for themselves, um, you know. And I don't see a way where they're going to carve out enough that Bagley doesn't play, but they're yeah, going to carve out enough season, that yeah, like make him play. Uh, when when Bogdanovich like is theoretically traded at the deadline, you're starting livers and stew, and you're rotating into. Bagley Durin. I I don't know how that rotation works because I just don't like Bagley as a four. But regardless, mm-hmm. that's you know you're you're opening that up for yourself now. If, uh, assuming these guys get a chance to prove themselves. Yep. And Knox as well, who I think is probably more of a three, but also has the opportunity to play a bit of the four. So no, nope, not gonna no. play. Not gonna play. Knox is not good. <laughs> I I I, I, mean, I, I don't have a, a I don't have game. a lot of hope or expectations for him to to be anything uh he has to pretty much be like a 40 percent three-point shooter in order to just make up for all the little things he does wrong and he's never been that um so yeah i don't i don't have a lot of expectations he's unfortunately just not a very uh good defender he's a pretty stiff kind of upright mm-hmm. guy uh not a rim yeah. protector by any means so i i just don't have a lot of hope for Knox. um yeah you know a fine like guy to have as your 13th offense. man or whatever but that's that's all i really expect all right, last thing from the recent things. Uh, last note is that it's a problem uh, that Isaiah Stewart cannot finish without putting the ball in the deck. Uh, yeah, we saw this. You know, this is this is year three now of him doing this. Um, he's he's killing me all preseason. Every time Cade mm-hmm. passes to him, he's turning it over because he has to dribble in order to lay up. And uh, you know, it's it's obviously he's not going to be a lob threat. We we just know that. But he has to put the work in to get soft hands that stay up and just, like, do, do the thing where you just kind of catch the ball high and guide it into the rim. Uh, who's the, the the player that MSU had a couple years ago, the big guy? Um, big, uh, real Nick big Ward. body. Nick Ward, exactly. Nick Ward. The, the, the same thing Nick Ward used to do, right? Just just catch and immediately spin and finish. You don't need a vertical. You don't need, to, you don't need anything other than clear your shoulders, spin and finish. That's something that yep. Stu did a little bit in college, and it seems like he thinks he has to muscle everything in now. I don't mm-hmm. really understand why he's never tried like a post hook or anything. Um, he's not really like weaponizing his shoulder width and like boxing guys out for position properly. There's just like the finishing is a is a problem that he has to yep. correct because even if he shoots we can't have this thing where you're open under the rim, you get the ball, you dribble once, now you're covered, and you're you're failing to, to finish these contested layups. That can't keep happening. And it's Ooh. not even necessarily just about the finishing it, because a little bit, oh, I know something good's about to come here. Um, but it's not <laughs> just about just the like lack of finishing it. Uh, it it's as well that, uh, God, I'm trying to do two things at once, and it's really not working well for me. Um, but the other problem with that is that when he's putting the ball to try and get like those one dribble power through uh, you know layups and, and the post moves, is the other issue with that is guards are coming in and taking the ball. I saw it earlier in this game, yep. and something yeah. that annoyed me was that it immediately you put the ball on the floor and the little guy is going to come and take it. Yeah, they, t- like, they, they you know it's it's a it's one of those things that's been a, a basketball rule for for j- decades, right? You don't put the ball on the floor because mm-hmm. then the little guys can get involved. Right? You yep. keep the ball high, the, you have to worry about a center, but you don't have to worry about anybody else. And he's he's getting picked from behind. It's it's a problem, um, mm-hmm. and it's a problem that has like probably been worth a 10 to 12 point swing 
every preseason game so far. I mean, it's been a very dramatic issue. Because yep. um, it's not a thing that you, oh, um, how, do I, how do I put it? It's not a thing that you recover from, right? You you have a, a big guy in traffic who loses the ball. That's a turnover basically every time. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. All, All right. right. You, you ready to get to the, the big stuff this week? Well, first, I had a, a perfect transition, which was, my God, Jalen Duran, that block that you were distracting me with. <laughs> yeah. This is a good way to transition I to the I defensive don't know, topic. I, I couldn't tell which uh, Memphis player that was. I don't think, was that Bane that he just ate alive at the rim? Um, I don't know if it was Bane or if it was, uh, it wasn't Brooks, was it? No, it was one of their wings. But, yeah, he just he just stuffed somebody. Oh, hopefully <laughs> Steven Adams is okay. Yeah, I'd say he just disappeared off screen. Uh, he's, oh, you're he's probably on the ground 20 seconds ahead, so he's probably dying in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's defense week. We we I promised this on Twitter. It's been in the notes for God knows how long to talk about some of this stuff. And we kept some putting of it off and kept putting skipping it off. over it. Uh, yeah, because I know you don't want to talk about this, but uh, we kind of have to talk about this. Um, specifically, kind of some of the concepts uh, we use to talk about defense. And then really covering kind of pick-and-roll coverages, which are kind of the core of basketball defense uh, nowadays. And I think, it, I think it helps to start by kind of building a lexicon, you know, and, and defining these things, talking about things like what do we mean when we talk about a base defense. Um, you'll, you'll hear base all the time, you know, and it's, it's what, what is your scheme you know, every game. What are you building your game plan off of, right? The Pistons have been, we've talked about this all last year, right? They were a switch-everything defense, and they were a soft-switching defense. And one of the big complaints we kept having was they stayed in that base defense without any real game plan adjustment, right? They soft-switched regardless of who the matchup was, regardless of uh, whether the guy could shoot, whether he couldn't, whether it was a 1-5 matchup or a 2-3 or a pick-and-roll they switched everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the things that I think is worth talking about when it comes to that is the difference between, like, the regular season and the playoffs. Because uh, James Edwards III of The Athletic had a, uh, a few comments from Dwayne Casey about uh, the, the switching defense recently. And one of the things that they kept mentioning was it's, it's what we want to do in the playoffs, Right, it's mm-hmm. it's it's kind of how we want how we envision playing when we're good, and the question I have is like, yeah, but is that the game? Is that a scheme that you can sustain during a regular season? Right, because they're it's a totally different thing when it comes to to scouting and um, the the prep time you have from game to game. You know, if you're switching, you're asking your guys to know how to defend and uh and a. Mm-hmm. Not just their opponent, right? But but five, six, seven different opponents every game. They have to know their tendencies, or they're going to get beat off the dribble, right? Yep. You can't you can't just you don't just walk into these one v ones and and win them defensively without that prep. So that's a lot of individual prep in addition to being very demanding physically, right? Got some people like like uh, um, Stu. Right, we we've talked a lot. He's a really good switch defender. Someone like uh, like um, Sadiq, not right, <laughs> not your mm-hmm. your super agile guy, not somebody you really want to have switched out on point guards. So yeah, 
you know, is, you it, is this a John Morant jaws eating him alive? <laughs> right. So is this a load you want to put on your guys for 82 regular season games? And are they learning the right lessons from the way you're executing it now? I think, th- I think that's the biggest question that I kind of want to toss over to you is you, we've seen at least half a season last year. Um, we've seen some preseason games. I know you haven't been able to catch these, but just how valuable do you think the reps have been you know, for these, for all these guys, considering what we've seen the last, you know, year. So my thought of it with is this: I think in today's NBA, the switching defense is the main way that you should be playing, at the very least ninety, like at least eighty-five percent of the time. Like in today's NBA, you give me a weird look already. Yeah, I I, I heavily disagree with that. Really. I, I think you that think the vast major oh. I think the vast majority of the NBA is not a one through five switching team scheme, and mo- and the vast majority of the NBA, and in fact, most of the best defenses in the NBA do not. I mean, I would say that I would agree with that statement of most of the NBA teams do not. But if you want to be a good and successful defense, I think that's what the better defenses do. Well, you look at a Boston, you look at a Golden State. They're maybe not switching one through five, but they're doing a lot of switching. Okay, so see, that's the key. They're not doing it one through five. And that and that I want to make that a key differential. It's a it's a very different thing when you're talking about uh, a one through three, you know, switching guard to guards or, or wings to wings. And are you all the time switching your bigs on to, you know, littles, right? Those are I mean, those, it those are very, like, how you're setting up your team. But well, because like Go ahead. Go if you're ahead. looking at a Warriors, they're switching one through five with the Draymond out there, and they're going to their small ball lineups, and that's where I think the Pistons want to go to eventually. But they don't. They like, have people. The Celtics, I think, are a better team, a better example. Like the Celtics are switching pretty aggressively all over. The Warriors yeah. don't. the The Warriors are, are a team that's that they'll let Draymond hedge, recover, switch, go all over the place, right? But their whole thing is always that they're trying to get Draymond right back into the, the paint area, right? They, they switch off the ball. They do a yeah. lot of scram switching. They do a good job of getting back, yeah. Right. They're, they're willing to switch, uh, you know, at the point of attack to, to, to quickly cut off what you're doing. But then immediately they've got backside switching that's going on to mm-hmm. get themselves back in matchups that they care about, right? A lot yeah. of the other, like the that's Heat are another that's team that, that do that. Um you know, an, another team to think about with a great defense, though, is someone like Milwaukee, right? Milwaukee's mm-hmm. been a great defense for years now because they have a great help defender in Giannis and yeah, Lopez, who just walls up the, the paint. Best help defenders ever, <laughs> right? And they and they'll and they're willing to switch out. You know, they'll they'll put Drew and Middleton and, and whoever's playing the three for them. They'll put those guys on different matchups, but they're going to keep mm-hmm. those two big people near the rim. And and their whole thing is you're not going to get layups on us, right? We're going to make you take threes even. They're willing to give up threes. And that's why I think it's important to remember that most of these teams are not switching the way the Pistons have switched now, right? They're not doing it one through five every time. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it soft, which we'll get into, I think, is, is worth a, a, another discussion. And so I guess the, the, the big question is, do you think that the, what the Pistons have done for a base defense matches, you know, something that's that's sustainable 
for a regular season, right? Something that can put them in a good position to just have a winning regular season. And then is it something that you think is actually these principles are things that you can take to the playoffs and tinker with in the playoffs, right? Because that's, I think, the key to the, the, the playoffs, right? Is not just that, like, you're capable of switching, right? But that you're able to, like, toggle how you switch and when you switch and the, you know, the different angles you take when you switch for your matchups, right? And I, that's, that's something that I have a problem with because I don't see the Pistons trying any of that. Mm, true. I mean, one of the biggest things that annoys me about the modern-day NBA is the fact that teams will switch, and then they'll never get back, which we talked about a little bit a minute ago, which is uh, you get a big matchup, or excuse me, you get a big matchup on a guard, and they just sit him out in the perimeter and let the guard go to work instead of trying to switch back. So that is something that I see the Pistons doing a little bit too much of, and some, but it's something that I see throughout the NBA as an issue, or at least in my mind, of you've got a big switch, you've got a mismatch, defensively you're not in a good spot and you just kind of sit there and wait for something better to happen in the playoffs obviously teams do a better job of getting back on the person that they should be on but it's still just a it's it, it's an issue that i have in the nba as a whole do i do i say the pistons are doing it more than most yes is it an out of the only team in the nba doing that i don't feel like that that's my thoughts there so i guess another question for you then um and, and I want your opinion on this when it comes to having kind of a base defense, right? A, a singular set of principles that you're going to rep, you know, every night versus mm-hmm. the kind of thing that Nick Nurse and, and Spolster do, right? Where they're, they're going to throw, you know, there's a two, three zone here. There's a box and one here, you know, we're going to do a drop here and then we're going to start switching everything, right? We're going to, we're going to do a, uh, I forget what we call it, like a, a matchup zone, or we're going to do the, uh, one the zones that, that uh, we're starting to see in college now a little bit, where you do a zone for the first like half of the of the possession, yep. and then you you take it's your man to man as soon as they as soon as they uh, hit you know whatever you're triggering on usually you're tra- you're trying to wait for a specific action to fall into man to man, you know mm-hmm. how much do you value like when, they, when the ball goes back up top? <laughs> right, it, 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 it depends. Top. It's uh, yeah. sometimes it's a post entry, sometimes it's it's kickouts it's different triggers for different players etc but how much do you value um you know staying base and and repping out your principles versus you know maybe not executing each of these what i'll, I'll just call a junk defense right then uh junking it up throwing out these defenses willy-nilly how much do you value staying in base versus having all these things at your disposal even if maybe you're not going to execute all of them as perfectly as you do your base I mean, I would say that for me, I like having defenses that can switch a lot and do a lot of different things. You also have to have a certain team for that and a well-coached team behind that. And that's where I feel like the Pistons just aren't at yet. They're a little too young to be able to be throwing out all these different defenses left and right like a like a Spolstra-coached Heat team can, uh, which has a lot of veteran players that have been around the league a lot, probably have seen these concepts prior to getting there. And... When, you know, when, when Spolster says in the huddle, like, hey, we're going to do this zone, then we're going to switch to man afterwards, the guy's like, all right, cool. We've done this before in practice. I've done this throughout my time in the league. This makes sense to me. So I would say in a perfect world, yeah, I'd want to have a lot of different switching defense. I want to be able to throw different things. You know, I, if I'm playing the Timberwolves, I want to have a different strategy than when I'm playing the Warriors. But I just don't think the Pistons are quite there yet. 
and focusing on kind of the basic scheme and kind of the base scheme, excuse me, not basic, but focusing on the base scheme, I think is more uh, important for the Pistons where they're at in their you know, the development cycle and their time frame. I think that I think talking about veterancy is important uh, and, and a good point. And and then my question becomes: Okay, how do you become a veteran if you're never doing it now? I mean, true, but I think it's something that you could throw in, sprinkle in a little bit here and there, which I will agree the Pistons could probably do a little bit more of. But at the same token, it's not something I think they should be doing often. I don't think it's going to work work well. Work as well in that regard, unless it is something you're spending time and practice on. Right. For. I I don't disagree. I I want to advocate for more change changes in the defense and more more junking it up. Not quite as extreme, obviously, as, as teams like the Raptors and, and the Heat, because they're doing it like two, every two possessions. They'll change stuff sometimes. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know how these players are supposed. To, like, how do you learn how to do a drop if you just haven't played? Like any possessions and drop for three games. I would say I drop is one of the things I think is something that really needs to be done. I, uh, when you're I, playing certain de- certain opponents, yeah. how do you how you know if you've never played a box in one and executed a box in one, you know, how are you supposed to learn that? And and it's not even just like because the the defensive concept right isn't. Um, I, I don't want to say it's not hard. But like yeah. a lot of the, a lot of these guys have done this in in, in high school. They've done this in college. Yeah. You know, it, it's not like a box in one. Uh, you know, when, like when um, when the Raptors broke that out against Steph Curry in the in the finals, right? And everyone was like, Nick Nurse is playing a box in one. And it's like it's not the fact that like a box in one is revolutionary defense, right? It's the it's the the communication across the team. Right, that you're all going to change defenses at the same time. Right, that everybody recognizes mm-hmm. we're transitioning. We've made the call. I know what that call is. I know what my matchups are, and that's one of the things that I think by not th- trying to junk things up a little bit, you lose out on is you haven't you haven't repped these guys mentally to be thinking about what scheme am I in. Right, you you yeah. aren't repping these guys in terms of have I have I you know, remember this call? Am I looking for the call? Am I thinking about that? Being in a, being in a zone and knowing, you know, where someone's at and the ability to like understand like, Oh, this guy is, I'm in the right corner. This guy is cutting behind me, but I know the big should be getting him versus, Oh, there's just me and another guy down the post. This is my guy. I got to get him as he cuts the hole. It's just those, that understanding that I think is definitely something that needs to be worked on. Am I going to say it's more important than learning some offensive concepts? Not quite. Which is, I think, where a little bit of the problem comes in with a bunch of these young guys. But I, I get where you're going with it. I get what you mean. Um, yeah, and I, and I guess that's the other question: is do you see a point in doing zone stuff? Do you want to see them trying any zone stuff? It's, it... I mean, it's definitely something that I think needs to be done a little bit, and especially like a box and one in today's NBA with you know how good some of these offensive players are. And, like, you go against, you know, the, take the game right now with the Grizzlies. Like, Ja is their predominantly best offensive threat by a pretty good stretch. And maybe switching into that a little bit, if Ja's doing good, then to try and take him out of it. I think it should be used a little bit, and it's something that does need to be practiced, but it's not something I think needs to be focused on in today's NBA, because it's just 
I don't think there's many teams that are focusing on <laughs> defense in today's NBA. All right. Um, I guess let's quick cover a, a couple of terms that I might be using throughout the rest of this. Um, talking about weak or weaking uh, something in defense is pushing to somebody to their weaker hand or or to a specific hand because some guys are, uh, you know, they go right, they drive, they go left, they shoot, and maybe they're pretty equally good in both, but you've got a specific one you want to go to. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar with ice, but icing is is kind of doing a drop along one sideline. Uh, the the ball defender usually is going to is going to put themselves parallel to the sideline right and force somebody against that sideline, use it as a defender. The screen defender is going to drop low and kind of box somebody in along that sideline and, and force them down towards the baseline. That's a really common Thibodeau thing. Uh, Xing out or crossing out is a, is another thing you hear all the time um, where you have one person de- defending two kind of on their own side of the floor and they pick whoever's got the ball and then whoever the like the next defender is is going to take the um, you know the the open guy and it often looks you'll see one guy jet out to the corner and then the other guy kind of jet right behind him and kind of cross against his path to get up to the break or wh- wherever the other defender is. Mm-hmm. Things like peel switching, where you're switching, um, where where you're passing off a driver to the big on your way to the rim, and then you're running to the big's man. Maybe he's in the spotting up in the corner. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of these terms and a lot of concepts. Um, I guess point it out to me if I say something during the rest of this that doesn't uh, that you think needs to be to be clarified because there's there's quite a few ways to get around. Kind of some of the complexities and the rotations that that each of these defenses get into, and I think that's the next thing to to talk about is kind of what each of these, you know, defenses are schematically. Okay. Okay. Are you waiting for me to say something here? Are you going to keep I, going? I'm I'm just wondering if you've got anything you want to talk about. You know, I mean, stop, look, stop me if you if you uh, if you you have something I'm, you want to flag. I played a lot of basketball in my day, and I was mainly a good defender and rebounder. Um, <laughs> didn't have a clue on any of these concepts. It was not something we were talking about at the Y. So <laughs> you might have to carry carry that part of this podcast. Well, so so you know what a drop defense looks like, yes? Right? Can, yeah. Describe a drop defense for people. Uh, let's see here. So a drop defense is when, let's see, when on a pick and roll where the guy that is guarding the screener instead of playing up and hedging he goes back and drops and allows essentially you're protecting more of the paint than you are the outside shot right and do. Uh, that passed right. the test teacher right you're, you're the screeners man is going to try and stay between the ball and the rim right that's that's yeah. the simplest way to do it and mm-hmm. you're you're doing that instead of as you said hedging instead of coming up to the kind of the level of the screen you're going to take a couple steps back away from down from the screener and usually the, the goal here is that the ball defender is going to go over the screen and try and force somebody to drive towards the, the screen defender, right? So you're trying to get yeah. the ball into the middle of the floor towards the paint, but without letting anybody get to the rim. You're trying to, to, to keep that ball handler corralled in the, in the uh, kind of the free throw line area, force them to make a kick out without being able to force a rotation from your wing defenders, right? Because you don't want to pull anybody off a, a corner, man, if you can help it, because those are the high-efficiency shots, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, NBA. 
Yeah, and so some key kind of questions about this and, and the uh, subtleties to the the drop scheme, right? How far do you drop your your big man, right? If you have a guy who's really good at getting over the screen and then trailing, right? This is going to be your ball defender. Like Killian Hayes is really good at getting over a screen, chasing over, reconnecting with his man, and corralling them uh, against the big. And because he's good at reconnecting early, you can drop the guy a little further back, right? Because the further mm-hmm. back somebody drops, the more you're giving somebody an open jump shot. Maybe an open three if the screen is good, right? And you disconnect the defender on the screen. Well, now the big defender's way deep. You can just pull up a three, right? Steph Curry's going to shoot that all the time. If they take a dribble or two towards the free throw line and you're back at the restricted arc, they're going to just hit that little stop and hop mid-range shot. So you need somebody who can stay connected, trail around that screen, prevent somebody from feeling comfortable just taking the the pull-up. The big man usually is going to try and just kind of tag the ball handler, right? We saw Andre Drummond do this for years, right? You tag the ball handler, you disrupt the dribble. You want him to pick that dribble up and kick it out. Now, the big... It's it's the one arm out while the whole body's behind kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And the other question is, do you go flat over screens, right? This is what you do a lot um, to, if you want to get in front of uh, drivers and maybe there's a, like a pick-and-pop threat, right? So you want to keep your big closer. And the problem with it is if you bring, bring the big up, they're more likely to get beat, right? They're more likely to get raced in behind. And if you bring yeah. the big up, uh, the roll man is also uh, a little bit more of a threat, right? There's more, there's more space in behind someone like Isaiah Stewart, doesn't have a lot of recovery speed, right? That's his big weakness. He can't contest a lob the same way that an Andre Drummond could, right? So yeah. if you have a, a, a guy, um, you know, a, a good lob threat, even someone like a Steve, Steven Adams here, and you bring Isaiah Stewart up in a drop, but in a high drop, Steven Adams can just kind of slip in behind, easy lob, easy finish for him. So how high do you bring him? And then if the guard, if you want to kind of stop the guard and allow the big to reconnect to the to the screener quickly, you go flat over the screen. So that's where you're going to whip your leg around the screen. Mm-hmm. You're going to try and keep your chest away from the screen, right? So you're going to ride it on your back, and you're, gonna, you're trying to prevent the ball handler from being able to drive right away, right? You're trying to stay connected instead of from behind. You're trying to stay in front. Yep. And the, the one big threat to drop defenses... You know what it is? Would it be, let me think here, probably like a pick-and-pop big? Exactly, yeah. So that that's the big thing you have to worry about. That's why the drop has not been quite as popular as like a base as it was a couple of years ago because any pick-and-pop big, you drop too far, right? You drop your big man with his heels on the free-throw line and, you know, you chase your guard around – the, the big has to tag that ball handler before uh, and give your – your because basically the big is just trying to corral that ball handler long enough for the trailing defender to get back in front. And that mm-hmm. gets all the time in the world for that popping shooter to shoot. So that's that's the risk you run with a base drop scheme, especially if you have a guy who struggles to get back out there. Someone like Duran, right? You've got a lot of athleticism and a lot of length. Duran can hang back a little more. You know, yep. disrupt uh, the lob a little bit more. He can he can be higher and still recover to a lob because he's got so much more athleticism, and he can go further back and recover to a, a popping shooter because he's got so much more athleticism to close out. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's where the more athletic you are and the longer you are, the more and more the drop becomes a threat. 
Yep. Now, I think it's it's good to go to the the hedge. You mentioned the hedge earlier. Yep. Describe the hedge for me. So, okay. <laughs> I feel like a middle schooler here. Correct. Um, so the hedge defense on a pick and roll is when the big or whoever is guarding the screener steps out uh, to the opposite side of where the ball handler is going. So if the ball handler is on the left going right, you step out on the right and hedge and prevent the easy access to the lane. Right. So your screen defender is attacking the ball, right? You're, you're disrupting the drive. You're trying to make sure the screen defender is trying is is usually going to stay pretty flat uh, and flat hedge out and just try and string that ball handler out, string the ball handler out. Again, you're trying to give the, the ball defender time to get around that screen and reconnect to, to their man and get back in position, right? And then the key difference between from that from a switch to a drop is you're guaranteeing your guy has to recover. So you definitely need um, either athleticism when you're hedging, right? Or you need to have, um, you'll see this with like a someone like a Jokic, right? You need somebody who's got good active hands and just a big body, right? Because what happens yep. is as they recover back to the man on the roll, you're just taking up a lot of space, right? You're waving your arms, you're staying big, and you're just trying to make sure that they can't get a lob over you. You're making the pass around you hard, right? You want a nice lofted ball over the top uh, to be the thing that beats you. Because if, if it's a lofted ball, it kind of leads you deep, deeper away from the rim. Maybe if, if you're the, the roll man, you catch it. Now I'm back connected, ready to defend in the post, ideally. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, the pop can be a little bit of a threat to the hedge defender. But at least at that point, if, you, if you're yeah. a pop threat, the ball handler defender right, is going to just peel off and, and switch. And yeah, you can say, at least I cover would, I for be... it that way. I wouldn't say that's as much of a concern as much as a hard rolling big. Because with a pick and pop, you still have two guys up there hot and heavy with them. But the problem, for me at least, but I think the issue with the hedge um, is when a defender goes too far up and it's kind of a screen and go. And the screener just sets the screen, immediately runs to the rim and gets a wide open layup. I feel like you see it a lot when teams get a little too aggressive with the hedging. So... So the, the, the big threat, I think, to hedging, right, is is actually not even really as much about the screener as about the passer, right? Yeah. It's really hard to hedge LeBron James, right? you got a <laughs> yeah. 6'8 dude who's, who's a really brilliant passer. He's he's passing around you, right? It's really hard because when you're hedging, you're basically saying, again, Andre Drummond is a great example of this, right? You hedge with Andre Drummond, you're saying this dude is 300 pounds, right? He's a, he's a wide-body 6'10 guy. You can't see the roll man behind him, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's bumping you with his chest. He's 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 just disrupting you, and he is so much bigger than you. As you know, if you're like Steph Curry, the the Pistons in like fifteen sixteen that year they beat the Warriors when they were really good, right? They had Andre hedging out on Steph Curry, and Steph mm-hmm. Curry couldn't turn the corner on him because Andre was sliding his feet fast enough that Curry couldn't just beat him. And that's the other big threat, and he's right? Is if you have a guard who's just so semi-truck. fast. And he was so yeah. wide that Curry couldn't, you know, like the 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 pass you want is like the quick like throwback, right? Against where you're driving. If you're driving to the left and you're getting hedged out to the left, you throw it back to the right. And you've got a guy catching, um, you know, it's like Draymond and you've got Reggie Jackson on you at that point, right? <laughs> that should be a mismatch that Draymond can kind of bully, get into the middle of the floor and do something with. But if you're so big, you can't even see that. You can't execute that. You're getting swallowed up and you just kind of have to like stop and pivot and make a throwback that's more contestable. Yeah. I would say one of the good thing about the hedge is the ability to kind of double off yeah. that as well. Yep. You I can like trap, you don't yeah. see it as, 
you don't see it as much in today's NBA as you would in like a college scenario. But no, you usually uh, do it to rookies, right? You're you're trying to punish exactly. people who who aren't smart enough to see it and get it out of their hands. Maybe who are who are uh, they they're they're not smart enough. They allow themselves to get hedged out towards like the coffin corners, right? They get they get hedged deep into the corner, and now the baselines mm-hmm. are a defender. The other uh, the other kind of thing to punish the hedge. Uh, Big passers, right? Big passers, clever passers, and really little passers. Because <laughs> Chris Paul, for example, is a guy where he'll just like oh, yeah. pat and like nutmeg you. And, you know, like Trey Young, yeah. for example, is so small. You hedge him out. He's too good a passer. He'll he'll just like wrap himself around your big man's knee. Your big man just isn't nimble enough to keep in front of the ball. And yet you, mm-hmm. you lose that way. But the hedge is kind of another classic. You either drop or you hedge, right? That that was the 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 rule for a long time. Is is how are you going to handle it? And then yep. we get to switching, right? Yep. So describe switching. Back to middle school. <laughs> switching is when the the guy guarding the screener guards the ball handler, and the guy guarding the ball handler guards the screener. You, you right. switch. Right. You switch. You're so, Charlie Brown. So. The the key semantic difference here, right, is mm-hmm. how resistant are you to screening, right? That's that's the real when you're talking about about being a, a screen defender. Are you uh, jump switching everything, right? This is what the Pistons tend to do: is the minute two players come near each other, they are try they try and switch uh, the matchup kind of before any contact gets made, right? We we call it soft switching all the time. When you jump switch, you're trying to get around uh, and, and get to your new matchup uh, in time for... So, so that basically neither one of you gets screened. The idea is that both of you are back in guarding position. You're willing to give up the mismatch as long as they don't also gain an advantage downhill uh, on you while by, by you know, hitting you with the screen. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the, uh, the disadvantage to the soft switching that we see all the time here for the Pistons? Mismatches, you get, you know, a There's guard two guarding the record. A big what? There's two for the record. Okay. Uh, so let's see. So mismatches. That's obviously one, yep, right? That's obviously the one, right? We've we've all seen Killian Hayes stuck on a on Stephen Adams too many times. It's very mm-hmm. annoying. What? Can you think of the second one? I don't think I can. So, uh, fan, uh. Twitter fans will, will maybe know the name Nikias Duncan. It's one of his favorite sayings. The the easiest way to beat a switch is with the slip. All right. Uh-huh. As as you jump switch, you, both players are not guarding anybody, <laughs> right? Because you're <laughs> yeah. you're doing it in such a way where you're not you're trying to avoid being in contact with any of the players, so that both of you are free to react to whatever happens next. And during that point of the switch, you can get just race to the rim by somebody who's who's fast, right? And you don't have a hand on them, so they're just going to race you. And if you're switching, uh, both people are going to be focused on the ball all the time. Somebody slips to the rim, and and you're toasted. Really, really common weakness that we see in the switching, right? Now, conversely, you can do like a hard switch or, or a more physical switch, right, where you're switching on the contact. You've got one guy who's going who's gonna to hit the screener, usually, and they're trying, and they're the uh, it'll usually be the ball defender, right? They go into the screener. You're gonna wrap up the screener, not get a foul, right? You don't want to get a foul, but this is what you see the guys in the playoffs do all the time, right? 
both the screener and the screen and the ball defender, right? You guys engage, they peel away, and the point is you're making sure that the screener is not getting involved in the offense. You're hoping that the screen defender peels off, matches up onto the switch, right? They get they get a a clean one v one matchup. They don't have to focus on anything else. And the goal is that the ball defender basically takes all the shenanigans that might happen during that action, right? Any slips, switches, whatever. You're making enough contact on the screen that you don't get a, a foul for like going through the screen or for like bear hugging someone, but that they can't do anything immediately, right? So you're trying to delay the action. And again, same thing as before. You're giving up. Um, you, you're giving up the the matchup, right? That's what a switch is always going to be doing. You're giving up the matchup, but this time you're trying a little bit more. Um, instead of being focused on like both people stopping the ball, because ideally if you're jump switching, both people are just going to be ready to stop the ball, and you're hoping to use the the time they're navigating the switch against them. And in this case, you're you're willing to. Um, you're actually willing to give up the, the ball handler a little bit more stuff in exchange for not having to worry about the other guy at all. Yep. Anything else that you think is worth talking about for for switching? I mean, I feel like you've covered all of it. We talked about, I feel like, switching a lot, so I think that's probably one we don't have to cover a whole lot. So one of the things that I... That I guess we need to mention is how it affects rebounding, how all these things yep. affect rebounding, right? We've seen it with the Pistons before, all the time right now, right? They can't rebound unless they gang rebound because they're constantly bringing Isaiah Stewart and whoever else away from the rim, right? That's one of the natural mm-hmm. advantages to drop defense is that your big man naturally is, is just yep. walking his way back to the rim, back to the rim. Quite often they get a chance to just roll and seal on the roll man and and box him out, right? You're giving up box out position on the switches. I think this is, for me, maybe the most frustrating part of the piston switches. We can, we can tolerate a lot of execution mistakes, but when those execution mistakes lead to offensive rebounds, you know, that's a, that's a nightmare. <laughs> that's exactly. a nightmare situation. Um, yep. I think it's also an important thing to think about the, these schemes in terms of like who's good at them and who's bad at them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the switching defense has all the advantages and disadvantages we talked about so long as you're good at switching. Yeah. Right. The Pistons have not been good at switching. Right. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter as much, you know, when we say soft switching has advantages and and maybe both players can kind of jump switch into position and, and you don't have to give something up. Well, that only matters if both players are active and athletic enough to jump switch and, and re-engage quickly. If you jump switch in your city Bay, we have issues where he just gets raced immediately to the rim because he's not able to turn and, and engage properly, right? We've had issues already with Bogdanovich, uh, bless his soul. He's very old and stiff, and he's just, like, anytime there's a switch, he's just immediately toasted because he doesn't have time to re-engage. So... You know, we talk about these schemes, you know, in the context of what they're supposed to do, but what they're supposed to do is entirely theoretical and dependent on, you know, the personnel you have available. (laughs) Yeah. All right. How much time? We've been here an hour. Let's quick go through the roster real quick. I want your opinion. Oh, boy. 
I want your I want your opinion. I wrote notes here, so you you get to cheat. You did. All right. I don't I don't even want yeah. you to be oboing me. Let's talk real quick about the the personnel and kind of their strengths and weaknesses in these systems. Isaiah Stewart. Activity. He keeps Activity. going. It around around the rim on defense. He's always active. He's always moving. That's what you like to see out of big, out of a big. Yeah. Right. Great <laughs> feet too. Right. Great feet. Yeah. He he is legitimately a very very good switch defender. Hand activity. He's a wide body. Right. It's hard to get around him when he's hedging. When he's you know one of the reasons he's so hard to to beat on switches is you have to take like an extra stride just to go around him. That's a major mm-hmm. advantage. Right. Pretty good IQ. Uh, amazing wingspan. Okay, shot. Right? Okay. Uh, amazing wingspan. We talked about it earlier, right? He has no recovery speed, no vertical pop, right? So lobs in behind yep. are like the easiest way to, uh, to to pick on him if he's in a like a high, um, if, if you're in kind of a drop and he's in a high stance, right? You're, you're in trouble. We saw that a little bit his rookie year. Mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley. Just defensively not being up to the challenge, I would say. Yeah, can you? Can, can well, you? I mean, is is there something athletic you think that he has or is lacking that causes it? Are we in? I mean, it's definitely not athleticism. It's just like IQ. I don't know how. I don't know how to so, describe without being mean about so it. I, I just don't think you, you say it's understand. not athleticism, and I think this is an important thing to note because, like Bagley, for example, really struggles to be coordinated. When he's flipping his hips and when he's sliding, right? It's it's he actually struggles quite a bit in drop because in drop a lot of times if if the uh, the the ball handler gets to the big and they they have enough speed that they're going to the rim and the big is in in position, right? They've got to turn, they've got to slide, they've got to drive, they've got to start playing this at a disadvantage. Bagley really struggles with that, right? He just doesn't have the coordination really. In those in those lateral movement spaces, even though he has the explosion, right, and that's another form of athleticism that isn't you know it's not a combine athleticism, right? We don't we, we measure it a little bit in the show the 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 uh, shuttle cone, yeah. our combined words sure. there. Um, but we don't you know it's not like a vertical leap where we just see it pop off the page. But like I do think he lacks in that. But yeah, it is mostly just he's really lost in space, mm-hmm. which is why you see them trying to play him in the switch, right? Where they're saying, hey, we know you're probably going to get beat on the switch, right? They're willing to give that up. We're going to try and rotate in behind. We're going to try and keep an extra eye out when he's on the switch. But we just know that if he's in drop, he is your last line of defense, right? That's what we're saying. That's what that's that's the intent. And we just, he's not good at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. I know you haven't had a chance to watch Nerland Snow on the Pistons, what do you think about Nerlens Noel? And we're talking just defensively, right? Just want to clarify. Just defensively, yeah. What? How? Do, how? Do, what's their? What's their strengths and weaknesses as as a defender? How do you? How do you think they need to be schemed? Yep. So my experience with Noel, at least from what I've seen, is rim protection slash help side defense. I think yep. he's one of the better guys in the league at that, and he's the, one of the guys, at least in the big category here, that I can talk about definitively and say this is what i know from seeing him play in college and the pros he's got this yeah he's he's a guy that's in drop defense right he's got he's got the the uh length good hand activity he's a big steals guy a lot like andre Drummond. he's really good at kind of getting his hand in in uh 
people's dribbles and in passing lanes. Uh, elite vertical space eater. Uh, pretty good in drop because he is able to explode while backpedaling pretty well, which is kind of the secret athleticism and drop that you need. That's what Isaiah Stewart just cannot do. Right, He can't be backpedaling and load and explode to contest a lob. Noel's really good at that. Pretty bad at changing direction and flipping his hips. That's not something he's good at. Um, I think Noel kind of suffers a bit. He's a block chaser, which, which, you know, when you jump, if somebody else didn't jump with you, you you're you're cooked now. <laughs> and yep. the other thing to think about with Noel uh, compared to someone like Isaiah Stewart, skinny, right? He's a skinny guy. You don't. He doesn't take up as much space when you're trying to hedge out around him when he's trying to corral drivers. It, it you know it really matters. You see it a lot with Noel where he gets beat by speed because he struggles to flip his hips, and he also doesn't have wide shoulders and wide hips, which means it's he has to flip them even faster than someone like Isaiah Stewart does because people can get around him faster. Um, you know, and for someone like Isaiah Stewart, it, it is legitimately it takes somebody an extra stride, and that's a big deal. Um, how about Duran? You've seen a little bit of Duran. What do you like? What do you not I like? Mean, I mean, for this one, I mean, obviously the notes give it all away, but he's got it all. He's got all the talent in the world to play defensively in the NBA. Um, and on the flip side of that is... He hasn't played in the NBA. He's, what, 19? Question mark? <laughs> He's still yes. 18. He's incredibly young, incredibly raw. Super talented, but it's going to probably take him a while to be a positive defender in the NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I think he has a little bit of the hip-flipping struggles um, that we talked about with Noel. Uh, he's a little bit jumpy. He's, he's also chasing blocks a little bit. That's very common for, for young bigs, right? The question is usually just do they grow out of it or not? Almost every one of them has that issue when they start, and he's inexperienced. But he's pretty mobile, he's pretty wide, and boy, is he long and explosive. I yep. mean, we've already seen a couple of blocks in this Memphis game that are great. I, like, my my kind of hot take here is that he's going to be your starting center by the end of the year. By the end of the year? By the end woo, of the year. Woo. Uh, I've, I'm already seeing, it. We, we aren't talking about offense today, but like the role gravity he has, all that stuff. Uh, the bar is pretty low for impact at the center position right now. And what he's able to do is, is pretty impressive, even when he's pretty lost, you know, schematically. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think I think if, if he stays healthy enough to get the reps under him, I think he's going to be uh, threatening for that starting spot and, and maybe even starting by the end of the year. Yeah, that's my take. Sounds good to me. I'll take that. All right. <laughs> I wrote Bogdan here. It's Bojan. Uh, Bogdanovich. <laughs> See, you're doing it too. Uh, oh, yeah. It gets, it gets everybody, man. Bogdanovich. God. What have you seen? I mean, crafty. He's someone who's been around the league for a while. He's not... Obviously, the the draw on him, the downside is <laughs> athleticism. He's Correct. never been athletic in the first part, let alone at his age and you know current physique. But... He's crafty, he's sneaky, he knows where to be, he knows where to put his hands. Yeah, he's he is not just not athletic, right? One of the things that, that's important to talk about especially is flexibility, and he's stiff, right? He's just a really stiff guy. It's hard for him to get into a stance nowadays. Um, you know, he's pretty immobile, all things considered. Um, I think he's also not a super high-effort guy anymore. There have been times where, like... Uh, I don't know if you remember him in the Pacers um, when LeBron was with the Cavs, but like there were a couple Pacers Cavs series where 
like he was tasked with guarding LeBron. It was like, oh, he's doing a good job. Like this is this is legitimately impressive defense. That was also like five or six years ago, and it's just not really in the wheelhouse anymore. So I think he's he's one of the biggest net negative defenders on the team. Uh, he's been pretty abysmal so far in preseason. I'm hoping that's a little bit of just preseason veteran taking time off stuff and not like he needs to be a little better than what he's been. We talked about about livers earlier, but is there anything special you want to bring back up with livers? I mean, he's got the ability defensively to cover pretty much one through five. Like, obviously, he's going to struggle with some point guards. He's going to struggle with maybe one or two centers, but I think he'll struggle more guard. with more centers than that. But well, in today's NBA, I don't feel like there's a whole lot of like. Obviously, like Embiid is going to probably roast him in the paint, but Wait, you, 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 can, you can definitely post him up and like. He's a he's a very fluid and, and a very good like explosive athlete. But like, if you were ever to put him in space in the middle of the floor for some reason, like you're not going to play him in a drop. But if you mm-hmm. catch him in a rotation for whatever reason in the middle of the floor, you're going to throw lobs over him all the time, right? That's he's not he doesn't yep. have any size to to contest anything like that. But yeah, he's he's a really good defender. There, there's he's mm-hmm. he's good all around. Uh, he's 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 a like a passable on-ball defender. He's not an elite on-ball defender by any means, but he, he's a passable on-ball defender and just great rotations, great communication. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the his rim protection, his ability to to just swallow up a, a small guards when they drive at the rim just by getting vertical is really impressive. I really enjoy livers. And you do kind of yeah. have to talk about him in this group of, of kind of sort of big men because um, he is going to be playing more of that four and more of that rotational defender. Mm-hmm. All right, even faster, the guards, right. the guards, Killian. What do you like? What do you don't like? Like on ball defending, don't like. Still hasn't quite got switching down yet. Yeah, the 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 some of the like timing on switching is a little bad. Uh, obviously, he's really handsy when he defends the post, right? That's that's his big weakness defending. He's really physical, uh, in a good way with with his chest. He he absorbs contact well, but yeah, he he has to stop gambling for steals basically. Honestly, I think it's his biggest weakness uh, in this scheme is is that he is fouling in positions where I think he's already won the possession if he just doesn't foul. Um, and then his off-ball defense, he takes a step too far off the corner man basically all the time. Uh, he, just, he just has to get better recognition for kind of that space and how far he can close out. Um, if they ever go back to a drop, he's an awesome trail defender. Uh, really, really good. Uh, it, it's... His impact as a as a top lock defender, his first year in the league, is better than any of his his on ball like isolation defense. Really good, Cade. So I like his size length. Yep. I feel like that is what makes him, in my book, a slight plus defender. Um, in terms of dislike, I don't like. I've been trying to I've been trying to sit here and think of something that I particularly don't like. I think he could. He's a just a just a hair slow for being like a a guard, but I don't see like I I, don't, I can't recall him getting like just beaten by you know anyone except for maybe the fastest defender or fastest offensive player. He gets so. he gets caught with some technical issues sometimes. You know, just just not being quite in his stance. Uh, he's got really high hips, right? Which uh, being high hip means it's a little harder to get around screens, right? You want to get really low. Uh, you know, you want your center of gravity lower than the screeners as you go around their leg a lot. Uh, so that's a thing that can get him caught. He's just a little slight. 
right? A little lanky. Mm-hmm. He's put on some weight this year, so we'll see how that, that helps him. But last year he'd get blown up a little bit when he was trying to play defense. But, yeah, I think I think mostly it's just, like, little mistakes, you know, things that he'll clean up, and eventually I expect Cade to be a pretty positive defender. I, I, I think he's got a lot yep. of potential there. Um, he's already playing pretty smart. Um, makes makes good off-ball reads. Have you seen anything from Ivy yet? I mean, I'll probably go back more to his college tape, even though I feel like today he proved it again. But athleticism, he can jump out of the fucking gym and defend anyone anywhere. Like, he's got that ability. Um, in terms of, you know, what I've seen in college that I don't like, it's his gambling. He yes. can get beat by being a bit aggressive. I distinctly remember in the game against MSU at the Breslin where he was going a little too aggressive and it was something where uh, MSU... God damn, now how, how am I forgetting? The, who's our big guard? Oh, God. Is he uh, Hogard? Yeah, Hogard. Hogard yeah. was kind of slow playing him and just getting past him on that. So yep, yep. That, I, I think that's all, that's all accurate. He's, he is very much like not a very technical defender yet right he's, he's just got a lot of work on technique and a lot of work on just his overall you know understanding of, of time and space but like the tools are incredible and he's had and we, we talked about it earlier because he had one in this game but like there's there's some like Dwayne Wade level blocks where he's just like mm-hmm. overwhelming people with length and speed and strength because he is not just you know fast and not just long but like we've been getting John Morant comparisons all game right and the difference is that yeah. You know, Ivy has like twenty five pounds on him, right? Twenty five yeah, exactly. pounds Ivy of legitimate muscle, uh, just just an overwhelming physical athlete. If he, you know, it's the same as uh, um, Anthony Edwards, right? Anthony Edwards was a terrible college defender, uh, fell asleep all the time, didn't give a shit most of it. Uh, came into the league, wasn't great, but like really started committing himself last year, and just immediately was like, oh, this dude's a positive defender now, um, and like. It really waxes and wanes with his effort, but Ivy's going to be the same way. Where if he's willing to commit to it, this he has no reason to not be. Like he has all defense tools. There's no question about it. He can he can be Drew Holiday, uh, if he wants mm-hmm. defensively. He can be Dwayne Wade if he wants defensively. The tools are there, um, and I'm I'm really excited to see what happens there because he seems like he's buying in, you know, as much as anybody can. Yep. We've talked about about Sadiq, I think, quite a few times. We can kind of glance over him, I think. Um, you haven't gotten to see a lot of Burks. Do you have any any prior knowledge for, for Alec Burks? I mean, not really defensively, I can't say. I've never watched him <laughs> that, that's, on the defensive that's about side of the floor. <laughs> so. yeah. he, he's got the, the uh, veteran understanding you get by playing quite a few years in the league, but, yeah, not somebody who is a, a super attentive uh, or impactful defender. Uh, at best, a neutral guy just because he's seen, you know, all the reps. But uh, mm-hmm. do do you want to talk about Hamadou? I mean, I know you're gonna probably go in depth on this a little bit more, but it's the gambling. It's the yeah. It's it's just Russell Westbrook insane going gambling. for things that don't need to be there. But uh, he, I feel like the positive for him is I do think he. I don't know if he does it correctly all the time, and this is probably plays into a bit of the negative. But he does. Do a good job, I feel like, in the rotation defense um, towards the rim. I feel like I've, I have core memories of him helping out down low. I mean, like, when he's in position where, like, he can see the ball and, like, like for example, a, a rim rotation, right? 
you, you're talking about a guy who can like see the ball go up and then be like, ah, I can jump and block that because I'm one of the most insane athletes on the planet. And he does that. But and basically anytime he has to make like a 50-50 decision, it's really like a 70-30 decision against him because he's just so eager to make plays that he's not willing to stay within any semblance of the screen of the scheme. Um, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate because, you know, he's got the tools. So everybody thinks he's a good defender and he's just really, uh, you know, it's not even just like he's a bad defender. He's like an actively negative guy. Cause he takes himself out of the play so aggressively. And so often he's doing it, um, you know, shooting the gap in a pick and roll or in a handoff. And then somebody gets to play two on one. Right. So you're not even getting beat, you know, off the dribble, in which case it's like a two on one and a half because you're still able to get in the play. No, he's just completely out of it. And it's a two on one and somebody's getting a basket. Um, I would love to see him, I think, play a little bit more of like the four, like nominally be a <laughs> big be player. Um, I think putting him on guards is just at, it's just giving him places to, to be a gambler. I think I think you're just playing into his hand there. You know, because he gets the two the two steals a game, right? Where it's like, ah, this is the highlight play, and that reinforces the bad behavior. I think if you play him as like yeah. nominally a four, doing this and try and make him do the stuff Isaiah Livers does, he's not going to be as good at it. But you might be able to reinforce some habits that that help him out later on the line. Well, that's a nice uh, hammer pass by Kevin Knox there. Um, I think last guy I had on the list because I didn't want to talk about Magruder or Knox, uh, Kojo. Well, I mean, Kojo you put thoughts? Magruder on here. Did I? <laughs> you, you gave him the same attributes as Kojo, so you probably didn't ah, notice it. But <laughs> Yes, correct. <laughs> and I, you want to list I those attributes? <laughs> they both know what to do, and they're both undersized. <laughs> yes, they're both very small. Nothing Neither one of them is a great athlete. Neither one has elite length, either. Uh, also old. <laughs> is there anyone on the roster you think we missed? I think we are more than good. We're an hour and almost 20 in. Okay, okay, calm down. Mr. I want to go watch football. Uh, I don't want to watch football anymore. It's not good football. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, the, is the game that bad, huh? It's 0-0 zero, zero after like a quarter and a half. Ooh, <laughs> not good. Uh, it's not so good then I guess, I guess my last wrap-up question. We just talked about all the strengths and weaknesses on the roster. We talked about the schemes. Are you still thinking this is a switch-everything team? I He's think, thinking. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think the talent is probably not where it needs to be. But that being said, I do, the switch everything is where I have a problem. I think switch most things, but there are some things that shouldn't be switched, is my kind of general philosophy. Um, are you but, willing to, are you, so, so do you, would you rather see uh, stew in a switch or a drop? Or a hedge. I'd kind of, I would be very curious to see Stu in a bit of a hedge, personally. I think that could be interesting for his skill set. And big body out there, making go around you. And Duran. Duran drop. I yeah. want to have him learn drop. And Noel. I think he'd be most comfortable in drop, but right. I think he's the guy that can do any of the three. Noel's not switching. Not happening. Yeah. So, so to me, I see a roster. I feel more comfortable with him switching than the other two. Than Stu? No, Stu is a, is a very high level switch defender. Noel is not a good like an actively bad switch defender. 
he's he's way too high waisted. Way he he's gets gets raced to the rim all the time. Um, that's it's not it's not something you want Noel to do. Um, so I I look at it and I see two guys that I think are pretty clearly going to be like best weaponized in a drop in Noel and Duran. Stu, yeah. I think you can switch everything with, but like one of my questions is why would we not be practicing a drop with Durant? Like, with Durant, I also look at a roster and I say, okay, Killian's a great top lock defender, right? He's really good at that. Um, you're not gaining anything by switching Kojo on anything. So, the like, mm-hmm. I don't think you're losing out by, by having him be a top lock guy. I think Livers' like, communication is just as valuable and impactful regardless. I think you're, I think by putting like bogey in a drop, you're giving him pretty short closeouts in a way that like Blake Griffin used to do. I think you can get away with it. Like, I think there's a lot of ways to like mitigate things. And like, yes, there will be rotations, but there are so many rotations right now for this Pistons defense. Cause they're not so good at switching. I think it's just like, it's so much safer to like put them in a base drop and then like put switching lineups out maybe in the second quarter and maybe to like close games you know, where it's like Stu and Killian and Cade are all on these like switch heavier lineups and do it for 12 minutes a game as the change of pace scheme rather than your base scheme. Mm. What do you think about that? If you recommend it, sounds good to me. <laughs> all right. I've, I've already kept him like 45 minutes longer than he wanted. So I guess we'll call it here. Um, I don't know when the next pot will be because because this guy over here has like a life that he tries to live. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I it's got, bad behavior. I made the mistake of having to go back and forth all over the place all the time. So this man is traveling willfully to Ohio to Just Columbus, like, which is the good part of Ohio. I don't think Take you're allowed to say your that Michigan on a Michigan fan podcast. Next. That's gross. That's gross. With As a Michigan that, we're State fan, say I can say that. No, you can't. No, it's still gross. It's still gross. They just they just put how big a molly whopping on you like like forty points. No, I nasty. wish it would have been more. It should have been more. <laughs> Fire all the people except for Tucker at the moment, but I'm still not even sure on that. So that's where we're at right now. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. All right, uh, we'll see you maybe next week, maybe the week after. We'll see. I'm waiting on this yep. guy. I uh, say hopefully next week. Hopefully we'll find some time next week, maybe after the first game. We'll have something good hope, to talk hopefully about. Hopefully is not giving week. me hope. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. See you later, later everybody. Bye-bye. Today's music was made by Blank and Kit. You can find a link to their music in the description.